Welcome to Hope for the Heart. I thank you today for tuning in to today's broadcast, which will be out of the book of Revelation. Uh, I'm continuing my verse-by-verse study with the book of Revelation, going all the way through, and this is proving to be quite the challenge. I hope and pray you can follow as many of these as, as possible and keep up with it. So today I want to give you the context for which I'll be speaking It is found in Revelation chapter 8. I'm only going to read one verse, and I think that one verse will be uh, plenty. And I don't want to go beyond this verse because next week is so important. The next broadcast will be chapter 9, and I'm going to be looking at uh, uh, the first woe to pass. And so that's going to be a very interesting thing to look at. But for now, I want to read the context uh, found in Revelation chapter 8 verse 13. The Word of God reads, beginning in verse 13, And I looked, and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. This is one of those verses that uh, we we could probably spend uh, some time in. Uh, In fact, I could spend probably more than I should spend in here. Uh, and I, it's been interesting to read some of the commentaries. Uh, most of the commentaries I have looked at uh, have been very little, maybe two or three sentences on this one verse. But I, I think the verse is worthy of a pause. We'll, we'll, we'll slow down here and take a look at a few things. Because it is, as I have uh, mentioned last week, it's, it's a prelude to the more intense or drastic judgments to come. And I think that's pretty obvious, even at a casual reading of this. But this is one of those verses where we could say very clearly, uh, Lord, I, I wish you had given us more detail here. We wish this was uh, more uh, to explain what this is. But then I think about that kind of a question. I think, well, how selfish of me to even think that. Uh, because first of all, if I really believe all that is happening, all that I see laid out in the Scriptures uh, for the church and for the uh, tribulation period and for the second coming, then I, I must believe, according to my own teaching, that I won't be here. I will not be here for this kind of a thing. But it's, and I, I guess this would be true for anyone. As hard as it is to read this, as difficult as it is to imagine what the world is going to go through in these judgments, it is still interesting to follow. It is still interesting to read. And I, I talk to so many people, and they have just this genuine sense of excitement about things coming. I asked a person this week, "Why are they so? Why are you so excited? How would you put that into words?" I said, "Well, I'm excited because if all of that is near, then the rapture must be even closer." And I, that, that's true; it must be. Uh, but there's still this excitement about it to read it and to see. Uh, the possibility of this or the scenario where we can lay out in our mind how these things could happen in a world where we live today, and we, we can see it. But this is one of those verses we wish was more detailed, and you'll see this as we move along. But remember now, the church has been taken out. This is a period of time known as the tribulation period. It's a seven-year period in which God continues his redemptive work uh, of, of for the Jews. It's the 70th week told by Daniel the prophet uh, in in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, that this is the time of Jacob's trouble. This is a a period of seven years that will happen 
after the church has been taken out. Now, Satan has, has been already running loose on the earth. We've already seen false peace. We've seen, up to this point, we've seen war on the, in the earth, uh, a war among people, famine we've seen, pestilence, uh, other plagues, earthquakes, and death has reigned over the earth. Uh, deadly destruction from God has occurred. And so the, the world is already going through this. And then when you get to chapter 8, and you begin to see the trumpet judgments, you have to realize, well, the Antichrist is already working. Uh, his reign of terror has already begun. He's already massacred both Jews and Christians, and he is terrorizing those who affirm their faith in Christ, and he is dominating the world. Uh, he, by this time, has successfully deceived the world into following him. So there is uh, the world is full of deception. And, and so... The people on earth probably or most likely will think he is in charge. If they, or if they think about heaven or if they think about God, they're going to say, "God, where is God? He, he seems to not be, not be concerned. He's not there. He's not caring. Uh, that's what it would probably seem. But there's more to say, say about the career of the Antichrist. We're going to save that for later. But this chapter 8 is so, has been proven to be just such a tremendous chapter. We're seeing this, the uh, verses here where the, the trumpets are, are blasting. We've seen two different sets here. The first four trumpets uh, cover seven verses, and the last three trumpets are, uh, cover fi over 50 verses. And so you can see the intensity or the uh, detail of the other three blasts, which are not yet. They're going to be, but this is the prelude to them. Chapter 8, verse 13 is the prelude. And so I want to uh, give you just a few things today on this, and we'll see uh, how it goes. Uh, I, I actually anticipate the time to be a little shorter on this podcast than the others, and that's okay because I'm getting ready for chapter 9, and chapter 9 could go even a little longer as we do several different messages from chapter 9 because 9 is a very critical uh, passage to read. And so these, these trumpets, the first one we saw was the the first trumpet sounded in verse 7, uh, then the second in verse 8, and the third in verse 10, the fourth in verse 12 of chapter 8. And last week we looked at the third and the fourth trumpets. The third a trumpet, uh, poisonous water, uh, fell on a third of the springs and the rivers and the springs of waters. And we knew that we know that this affects the, the drinking water of the world, and uh, that is a very scary place to be. Uh, thinking about the drinking water of the world is being polluted. Uh, where are the people going to get their water? Um, I don't know. I've had people say, well, they ought to be storing up water now. Well, who ought to be storing it? Uh, you, do you think the non-Christians are going to believe, the non-believers are going to believe that they need to be storing it for something they don't even think is going to happen? Uh, and then who's to say that this doesn't uh, pollute the water stored? We don't know. It may be. You imagine having a, a 500 cases of water stored somewhere, and you come to find out they've all been contaminated. You know, God can do such things as that. Uh, but we see that uh, when we get to this section, uh, the, the third trumpet and then the fourth trumpet, uh, but we see uh, a, a tremendous thing going on in the earth. That this Again, it's not covered in detail here, but it is covered when you begin to think about... Uh, for example, the change 
in what Trump, the fourth trumpet is going to present, the change in the, it says the stars, the moon, and the sun. And when, when those are affected, uh, you know that there will be uh, the effect of, of, of tides upon the earth, uh, solar heat, and it will cause radical drops in temperature over the earth. And let me tell you something, I'm right now in St. Louis, Missouri, and it is freezing outside. The high today is like 5 degrees. So we can get pretty pretty drastic. Uh, but what this means is severe weather changes in the meteorological uh, atmosphere of, of what people are going to see. It can mean violent storms, which here again, we're getting violent storms in December here. And across, uh, whether it be Missouri, whether it be Kentucky, or whether it be Tennessee, uh, there have been some pretty bad, uh, some pretty bad violent weather that has hit. Weather changes that are absolutely unpredictable and unknown to man. There will be a total interruption of of the cycles of Earth, and as 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 that begins to change, everything in the world starts to go, I guess, crazy. And that reminds me, every time I go through this, it reminds me of Luke chapter 21, verse 25, where Jesus said, At this time, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and upon earth, excuse me, dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, and men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. And so you can, you can just sense from that. In fact, we, we understand from the wording there and looking at it from the actual language that fainting from fear is actually coronary. It's a, it's a heart problem. Uh, people, some people will die of the anxiety that will be created just knowing and seeing what's coming upon the world. Uh, terribly frightening thing to happen. And so my, my title today is Can Judgment Get Worse? And at least that's what I think I'm going to title it. Sometimes I give a title and then I, I, I close out the message and I think about it for a second and I end up changing it. But can judgment get worse? Well, I, I think that's what we find here in verse 13. Look at it again. And I looked and I heard an eagle flying in midheaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because the remaining blasts of the trumpet uh, of the three angels are about to sound. So in other words, it's, it's going to get worse. Uh, we're going to see this. We've already seen this as we break apart these trumpets. We see the first four only cover seven verses, and the next three trumpet blasts cover 50 verses. It's like, wow, what's, what, what is up with that? Man, there's detail given, and you begin to, to visualize or picture yourself during this time, and it becomes quite frightening. So I want to do this as we go to get into this. I want to give you uh, it's just a very simple outline, and the first one is who. I want to give you a who, what, when, where, and why. Uh, That's very simple if you want to lay it out like that, and then I will give it to you. The first is who. Who sees this sight? Well, what is it? It says, And I looked, and I heard an eagle flying in midheaven. Who is the I? Who is it? Well, the I here is John. John is the narrator here. John is the one given the revelation. He is the one who's told to write in Revelation chapter 1, write the things which are, the things which shall be, and the things which must take place hereafter. And so John is doing that. He is being obedient, and he is writing down this so that this is the letters that are carried to the seven churches and then passed down from generation to generation. So what we have here is what John actually sees. But when I think about this verse, there's also another thing. Who sees this? 
Uh, and I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven. Is this eagle or is this angel? And we're going to take a look at that in just a minute. Is this seen by the people on earth? Do they actually see and hear this, whatever it is, whether this creature can be seen or heard from the earth? And the implication in the verse is that it is seen and is heard from the people on earth. Uh, We have every reason to believe because the pronouncement is, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast. So it's a warning that's going out, and the implication is, because it definitely doesn't say it in the verse, it doesn't say that everyone all over the world will see this. But the implication is that all will see or hear this. Now again, this word behold and I looked is the word actually behold. I looked, it can actually mean perceived. It doesn't have to mean they see it, but they can hear it. It says because and I hear this creature. So we really don't know who all this is. We know that John is the one who sees this, and he is seeing this while in heaven. So he is seeing it from a heaven perspective of judgment going out to the earth. Now, whether the earth sees it looking up, we just don't know. But the implication is there that it will be seen by all who dwell on the earth. Now, whether or not we haven't even described this creature yet, so the who here, who sees it? Well, John sees it, and the earth will see it, uh, whatever this creature is. And can you imagine the frightening thing? They've already seen, in, according to chapter 7, fire and hail mixed with blood coming to the earth, uh, uh, destroying, uh, burning up all the, the, the earth burned up, third of the trees burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So they've already seen some pretty amazing things. And then to whatever this creature is, see or hear this one. So number one is the who in this verse, and that's John, and then the rest of the earth. Number two is what? What does John and the earth see? Well, it says here, I looked and I heard an eagle flying. Well, I, eagle is, is it's a very confusing thing. Is this an eagle, or is this which most translations say, I guess it's pretty much half and half. I checked all translations. It's pretty much half and half. Some say eagle, some say angel. But what is it? Is it an eagle or is it an angel or does it even matter? Well, I think it does matter. I think uh, uh, that it's a a frightening thing to to think of anything, uh, any creature in heaven uh, flying around proclaiming this. But one writer puts it as definitely an eagle. And this is uh, something that he writes, and in attention, let me just give you what he says out of the Expositor's Bible. It says, attention ought to be paid to the fact that the, the cry uttered in mid-heaven and thus penetrating to the most distant corners of the earth proceeds from an eagle and not from an angel. And the eagle is certainly referred to for the purpose of adding fresh terror to the scene. If we would enter into the seer's mind, we must think of it as a symbol of judgment. To him, the prominent characteristic of this eagle is not its majestic appearance, but its swiftness and its strength and its hasting to the prey. Well, that all sounds good, but is that actually what is being seen here? There are some people just about as adamant that it is an angel, but I think I can be pretty adamant that, that, I mean, the eagle, uh, but I think I can be pretty adamant to say, I don't believe it's an eagle, I think it's an angel. 
And the first reason I give as I see it as an angel is because of the actual Greek word used here for what it says in the, in the New American Standard as eagle. Now, the, new, uh, the King James Version gives it as an angel. Uh, and several other reliable translations give it as angel. And some reliable translations, uh, some would question whether they're reliable if they're giving the wrong word, but uh, some good translations also use uh, eagle. So you have eagle versus angel. But I have looked at this, and I want you to see something. There is a Greek word for uh, eagle. There's also a Greek word for angel. This is the actual Greek word for angel. And you say, well, does it really matter? Well, I just want to give it to you. Uh, the Greek word for angel, and it's, when you look in verse 2 of chapter 8, and I saw seven angels. That word angels there is the same word used in, chapter, in, verse, in verse 13. In verse 3 of chapter 8, angel again is mentioned, and again it's the same word. In verse 6, the word angel is used. Verse 5, the word angels are used. In verse 7, the first sounded, there came, uh, first angel sounded. Verse 8, the second angel sounded. All these are the same Greek word for angel. And so I think it's an angel based on that. Is it an angel or is it an eagle? But I think in the long run that the church, which is the, probably the one studying this, most everybody getting into this and studying it probably won't be here. Uh, and so it's, it's a very interesting talk. It's very interesting. I, I've, I've read where people actually were getting uh, upset with one another. One man was quoting another person and just really giving him a hard time. Uh, but I don't think it, it really matters uh, much about what, what this earth sees. But they actually see this creature. They see this, and I'll say angel because I believe it's an angel. They see this angel, and they hear the angel. Well, if you follow the natural progression of the who, what, when, where, why, which is what I'm doing. So number one is the who, which is John in the earth. Number two is the what, is, and I believe it's an angel. He sees the angel, the creature here is an angel, not an eagle. And then number three, when? When does he see this? Well, this, as I have mentioned earlier, this is the middle part of the tribulation period. Uh, probably be somewhere around mid-trib. The uh, Antichrist is, is, is pretty much reigning on the earth, but he, he has not committed the abomination of desolation spoken of uh, by Daniel the prophet or by mentioning in Matthew uh, chapter 24. It has not happened yet, I don't believe. So I do believe this is during the tribulation period, which means the church is not going to be around. The church is not going to see this. So it happens during this seven-year period. In other words, it, happened. it hasn't happened yet. It can't have happened yet. And I know I have talked to a millennialist, and I had one pastor who actually hired me on staff, and he told me, he said, we can never discuss eschatology, which is a study of end times, because we differ. You are the pre-millennial, pre-trib, and I am an amillennialist, and so I can never discuss this with you. And so don't ever ask me any questions. Now, this was my pastor. I was his uh, minister of education and singles. And uh, I said, well, but our pastor, I have just one question. Well, I don't really want to discuss the question. I said, well, let me just ask one. He said, all right, one question, and that's it. I said, all right, what do you do with the book of Revelation? If you're an amillennialist, what do you do with the book of Revelation? He said, well, that's actually a very good question, and I'll try to answer that very briefly. And he said this. He said, 
the book of Revelation, everything in it has already happened. And I said, really? <laughs> uh, I, I, I have not read anything in history or seen anything that could match any of the things that I find written in the book of Revelation. He said, well, we can't discuss it, but it's already happened. I said, okay. So I, and it told me, boy, have I got my job cut out for me as far as uh, ministering in this church. But I did find because he never talked about his view. I always talked about my view uh, because I believe it is a scriptural, biblical view of end times. So the who, the what, and the when are the first three mentioned. Now I want, to, I want you to look at the where. Where does it happen? Look at what it says. I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven. In, he's flying in mid-heaven. But I want, I want you to know something first because I... I don't want to skip this because it would be easy to do, but when you look at the what, who, what, uh, what does he see, and then what does it say? In other words, what he sees, I'll go back to the, the second, n- number two, what what does he see? We said he sees an angel, and what does the angel say would be another. See, you have when you have questions like this, who, what, when, where, there's always different ways you can ask it to to draw your outline from the text. And so mine here with the what is, what does he see and what does this creature say? He sees an angel, so therefore it would be, so what does the angel say? Now look at what the angel says. He says with a loud voice, uh, that that is another word that could be used for a shout, a very loud voice. He says, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. So he basically only says, woe, woe, woe uh, to those who dwell on the earth. Then it gives the reason he says that. But it's a woe, which is a pronouncement of judgment, is coming. And so that is what he says. And you find these three woes, and it is given as a pronouncement uh, upon the earth uh, that judgment in its severity is coming. And, and we've already taken a look at this generally, that this is going to be a terrible time on the earth and one that will be a very frightening time. And so the creature says very briefly, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, does he say to those who dwell on the earth, that's what he says to the earth, because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet. So all it looks like he says is whoa, whoa, whoa. Now this can be compared to, again, another angel that is going to be, uh, look at chapter 14, if you want you want to turn over there for just a moment. Chapter 14, verse 6, says this, and I'll cover this in uh, uh, several weeks. I saw another angel, same word for here is angel in, in chapter 8, flying in mid-heaven, same place, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. So there it says pretty clearly, everyone will hear what that angel says. So do they hear what this angel says? And I think the implication is very clearly, they hear, everyone who dwells on the earth will hear what this angel is saying. Now, it is a, it is a, an interesting thing to look at as far as what he says uh, and when he says it, but who does he say it to? Uh, he says it to those, as we said in verse 1, to those who dwell on the earth. Remember, who sees this? Those who dwell on the earth. And the, what he says goes to those who dwell on the earth. Now, that is the word there uh, for earth dwellers. 
It's not a word for people. It's not a word for unbelievers. It is a word for earth dwellers. But earth dwellers is always a reference to unbelievers. Believers are never referred to as earth dwellers. Excuse me. Now, this word has a much more detailed a connotation as we get into chapter 14, and I'll save some of it for that. But for this time, I'm going to say that this is primarily for the unbelievers, those who are referred to as earth dwellers, those who simply dwell on the earth. And we're going to get into that just a little bit later, a few weeks, so that you can understand that even a little bit more. At least I hope you can. Now, the where. The where is it's in mid-heaven, and this is another way of saying high noon, uh, uh, but there's no way to identify this as far as looking up the word mid-heaven. Uh, it says high heaven. Uh, one says atmospheric heaven. Uh, one says the, the place where the planetary uh, alignment is, where the sun, the moon, and the stars are. Uh, but one translation actually says it's referring to as the immediate atmosphere above our heads, where birds fly. It could be they're trying to just give us that because... Uh, of the word in their translation may say eagle, which would allow eagles to fly there. But we really don't know where this mid-heaven is other than to say it is at the highest peak of the day, straight up where this eagle or this, excuse me, angel is going to be proclaiming with this loud voice this pronouncement of judgment. And so I think whether it is in the angel uh, atmosphere right above us where birds fly or whether it's in the sun, moon, the stars, I don't know. But I would imagine if people can see him, he must be pretty large. He must be pretty high and pretty loud. I do think it's clear that God can do whatever he chooses to do with his creation. In fact, that is the definition of a miracle. I know I used to have a pastor growing up. I mean, uh, right after I became a Christian, he used to say, uh, defining a miracle is whatever God wants to do with his creation. And God can do this. It can be an eagle or it can be an angel. But it can be an angel in the sense that he's given us the angel here. And this angel can actually be seen by everyone on the earth. How can that happen? I don't know. I can't explain it. I know that when I look up... And see the sun? Does the other part of the world see the sun at the same time? Well, no, it doesn't. But I don't know how this could be, but I do believe everyone will see this. Perhaps they'll see it with the time difference. I don't know. Uh, I do know that it will be seen at the highest point of the sky, and they will see this angel, and he will be speaking with a voice. Now, why is all of this given to us in the Scripture? Why is this included in this section? Well, number one, it's the prelude to the coming judgments. We've seen the first four trumpets, and we see that there is tremendous attention on earth. Uh, I know that when you have storms, for example, storms create, like I said, attention. It gets our attention in the atmosphere above us. I know that when someone takes a picture of even a, a a shooting star or a falling star, and it makes it makes headline news. People get a video of it. It just as it burns through the atmosphere, you see it. So all of these first four trumpet blasts are going to get the attention of the world. And yet, while the attention has already been gotten, and then you have this angel flying about at high noon, 
uh, in the heaven above them, above their heads, proclaiming with a loud voice, whoa, whoa, whoa. The only reason I can give for why that is happening is it is a warning. It is a warning to the earth dwellers that more is coming. Now, that's an interesting thing because in chapter 14, there is this angel proclaiming, and he has an eternal gospel. Well, what is that? What is that eternal gospel? We're going to take a look at that when we get to that. But this angel does, there's no wording here or appeal to the earth to do something. In other words, there's no appeal to the earth to, to pray, to seek God, or to turn to Christ, or there's nothing here to repent. Uh, there's nothing here. So what do people do with this warning? It says, whoa, there is this coming, but what do the hearers do? What is their choice? They can run. Well, you have to ask that. Where would they run? Or they can hide. Where are they going to hide? You remember in chapter uh, 6 of Revelation, in verse uh, 14, the sky rolls, splits apart like a scroll when it is rolled together, and the kings of the earth and commanders hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks and the mountains, and they cry out to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Well, here's the instance here being warned by an angel of heaven that more intense judgments are coming with three more trumpet blasts. And let me tell you, it is going to get worse. The judgment is going to step it up a notch, and it is going to get worse. So what do you do with the warning if you're left here on earth and you hear that angel? What do you do? Well, I think you either have to run, you can try hiding, or you can pray and fall on your face and cry out to Christ in repentance of your sins. And will people do this? We're not told. We're not told whether they do this. Do they fear this? Are they scared of what they see? Well, we're not given that information. We can only assume that they are. I mean, you talk about a bad day, having your cup of coffee in the morning after you managed to survive the first four blasts of the trumpets. And then you hear this voice, you go out there and you look, and there is this something flying in the heavens, and it's crying out, whoa, 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 more is coming. It's like, whoa, what do you do? I don't know what you do, except to say, you fall on your face, and you cry out to God. Well, for now, this is William Rogers, and you've been listening to Hope for the Heart. This doesn't sound like much hope for the heart unless you heed the call of the gospel. You repent of your sins and you turn to Christ while you can. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I know that we are close. There are all the signs and things are pointing to the nearness of the season. And we'll be getting even more into that as we get further into the book of Revelation. <clears throat> but one must prepare now. I think once it starts... Time to prepare is gone. So now is the time. Today is the day for salvation. Join us next time and we'll be looking at Revelation chapter 9 and the fifth angel sounding a trumpet. You're going to see some amazing things next time. So for now, goodbye.